Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. On November 3rd, 2014, the NTSB gave its final daily briefing for the on-scene portion of the accident investigation into the crash of Spaceship 2 near Mojave, California. Among the new facts related by the acting chairman, Christopher Hart, was the fact that debris had been found up to about 35 miles away from the original debris track. The NTSB was unsure whether or not the debris fell there at the time of the accident or whether the wind blew it there. The NTSB has continued to review data sources from the flight test, converting that data into forms that can be analyzed back in their Washington, D.C. office. In a correction from the briefing from the previous day, the NTSB now says that they're not sure whether the pilot or the co-pilot was the one who moved the lock-unlock lever for the feathering system from the lock position to the unlock position. Based on video evidence from the aircraft, the pilot sitting in the right-hand seat was the person who moved the lever from the lock to the unlock position. Perhaps the most important information revealed during the briefing was a timeline of events. In summary, roughly 15 seconds elapsed between the time that Spaceship 2 was released from the mothership until the time the telemetry and video data was lost. Spaceship 2 was released from the mothership at 10.07 and 19 seconds local time, which was Pacific Daylight Time, on October 31, 2014. The engine was started 2 seconds after separation, 8 seconds after engine start, and 10 seconds after being released from the mothership, Spaceship 2 reached Mach 0.94. Over the next 2 seconds, the airspeed increased from 0.94 to 1.02 Mach, during that same two-second span, when the airspeed went from Mach 0.94 to Mach 1.02, the lock-unlock handle for the feathering system was moved from the locked to the unlocked position. Roughly a second after the handle was moved, the feathers began to deploy. Roughly two seconds after that, telemetry and video was lost. The NTSB and the parties to the investigation, which include the FAA, Scaled Composites, and Virgin Galactic, will continue to collect factual data during the on-site portion of the investigation. Sometime in the near future, once the factual data is gathered, the NTSB alone will do the analysis portion of the investigation and will later present their findings. The NTSB reiterated that they are expecting about 12 months to elapse before the end of the investigation. What follows is the briefing from November 3rd. You'll be briefed uh, tonight by Acting Chairman Christopher A. Hart, H-A-R-T. Good evening and thank you for coming. The on-scene portion of the investigation will be closing within a few days and because of that this will be the last formal daily press briefing that we will have. So let me talk about some of the things that came out in today's investigation. First of all, I'm going to start by giving you some of the timeline numbers. And I'm using local time, and these are all seven minutes after, so I won't repeat that. First one is 10 o'clock, 10.07, 19 seconds, the release from the mothership. 21 seconds, engine start. From 20, at 29 seconds, we're showing preliminarily 0.94 Mach. Two seconds later, 31 seconds, 1.02 Mach. And in that period of time, the telemetry data shows that the feather went from locked to unlocked. 
Soon after that, the feather itself began to deploy. Seven minutes, 34 seconds, the telemetry and video data were lost. So that's the timeline that we have so far. Let's talk about parts on the desert floor, continuing to move parts from the desert into hangars as a more friendly environment and to reduce the burden on the sheriff department to protect the sites. So we're continuing also the cleanup of the sites with parts that we don't need to move to hangars but just to, to clean it up. We begin, we're beginning to find parts and hearing reports of parts as far away from the original five mile site that I mentioned, the northeast southwest orientation of the, of the five mile site. We're beginning to find small lightweight parts as far as 30 to 35 miles northeast of that section. We don't know to what extent those parts originally went there or to what extent the prevailing southwest wind blew them there after they came to the ground. The largest piece remains is a fuselage wing piece and that one is large enough that in order to remove it from the site we'll have to cut it into smaller pieces. So we will carefully do that to, in order not to damage the evidence as in the cutting process. So I want to thank the Kern County Sheriff's Department again for allowing us to use their helicopters to help with the search for parts. In terms of data, we continue to review the numerous data sources. This was a test flight and as a result of that it was rich with numerous data sources and we're now in the in the process of converting many of those data sources to forms that we can take back with us to continue our analysis of them in our lab in Washington DC. We're also beginning a check of the systems in the spacecraft for integrity and to verify normal operations such as the environmental control system, the pneumatic system, the elect electrical system, flight controls systems such as that. We are continuing our interviews. Those should be done fairly soon because we had quite a few witnesses to interview. In the course of the investigation, we saw the need to form a new group, which we just formed today, the Human Performance Group, to look at the human system interface, the interface between the, the flight crew and, and the vehicle, to look at issues such as displays, checklist design, other issues re relating to the interface between the flight crew and the vehicle. Before I close, I would like to give thanks to the parties to this investigation for all the help they gave, Virgin Galactic, Seal Composites. I would also like to thank the Mojave Air and Spaceport for allowing us to use the facility on this airport and including where we are standing right now. The FAA, another party, was, was very helpful. The FBI has been very helpful to us in a number of ways. And then last but not least, as I mentioned, the Kern County Sheriff's Department has been tremendously helpful in a number of ways. So this is the last regular press briefing that I'm going to give. The investigation will continue for several months. The process in the investigation is that the parties continue to work together to develop the factual portions of this investigation. Once the factual development process is complete, then we go to the analysis. And at that point, we do the analysis alone in order to make sure that the analysis is, is not biased. We invite parties once we put the facts on the website and make them available to the public, we invite parties to submit 
their own analysis and we invite actually the public to look at those facts if they wish and submit an analysis but the only official analysis that's done is the one that we will do and we anticipate uh, the typical time frame for an accident like this it may be helped by the rich data sources that we have we may be able to move a little more rapidly but we would anticipate taking as much as 12 months to complete the analysis which would end up with a probable cause determination as well as recommendations once we know what went wrong recommendations to try to keep that from happening again in order not to have to have an incident like this again there will be factual updates from DC as events warrant and please feel free to check our website ntsb.gov and our Twitter feed at NTSB for updates uh, at your leisure that ends my last press briefing I would like to open to questions yes please were you able to interview the pilot today? the question is were we able to interview the pilot today we were not able to interview the pilot today we, w we will work with the with his medical care and his family to arrange that interview when he's ready to be interviewed yes please um, have you been able to review the flight card that um, lays out when exactly things are supposed to be done <coughs> flight and do you have any information on when that feather was supposed to be um, when the unlock mechanism was supposed to be done the question is have we been able to review the flight card that describes when things were supposed to occur and and do we know when the when the the feathering action was supposed to be taken we do know that the flight card indicates that once they start accelerating after engine start the flight card says do not unlock the feather unlock until Mach 1.4 so that we do know that much and we are reviewing the flight card as part of the human performance group so that that will be that will be part of the investigation yes please Yes, please. I believe you said that at a certain time the telemetry went from lock to unlock. Is that correct? Yes. What does that mean exactly? Can you explain on that? There is a two-step process for, in, for deploying the feathering system. The feathering system is the articulation of the aircraft that I showed yesterday with the model. The two steps are move the lock-unlock lever from lock to unlock, and the second step is engage the feathering lever itself. So I was talking about the first step, moving the lock to unlock lever from the lock position to the unlock position. That's the event that, that according to the processes is not supposed to occur in the acceleration process until the, the vehicle has reached Mach 1.4. Are they done by the same operator? Yes. Uh, go ahead. Pardon? The same operator perform that function, pull both those levers? The question is, is question is does the same operator perform both of those two functions and that's one of the things our human performance group will look into is who does what yes please uh, questions um, how many seconds after engine start does the spaceship reach Mach 1.4 <coughs> I don't have the information on Mach 1.4 the closest I have on that is when it reached Mach 1.02 and that's what I have is 31 seconds after uh, after seven uh, seven minutes 31 seconds the release time was seven minutes, 19 seconds. Great. And the check of the environmental controls, pneumatics, and flight controls, is that normal, or do you have some reason to look at that? That's normal that we want to check the systems to make sure, to, to check the integrity and make sure everything was functioning properly. I'm sorry, I didn't repeat that question. Is it normal to check the systems? And, and the answer is yes, that is typical. Do we know whether... Yes, please. Do we know whether the data that the co-pilot was seeing 
was accurate? Did it indicate a 1.04? Might it have indicated a higher speed? The question is, do we know whether the data that the co-pilot was seeing was accurate? That, that is part of the systems check because one of the systems is the glass, that is the glass cockpit items that the, that the uh, crew, flight crew would have been looking at. Two more questions? Yes, please, in the back. So, I'm not completely clear on some of this. The, the timeline that you gave from 31 to 34, is it sometime within 31 to 34 that the unlock occurred? Because you said at 34 the video and data was lost. The unlock occurred sometime between 729 when the vehicle was at 0.94 Mach and 731 when the vehicle was at 1.02 Mach. Do we know whether it was part of the cold pilot? We know that it was the person in the right seat. We're we determining who was pilot and who was co-pilot. Who was in the right seat? That's what we're determining. I'm not who sure. Right I don't know the answer to that. I'm sorry, I didn't repeat the question. Do we know who activated the, who moved the lever from lock to unlock? And the answer is the person in the right seat. Is that the kind of question you need the pilot interview for? The question is, is that the kind of question we need the pilot interview for? That is certainly one of the questions we will ask in the pilot interview. One last question, please. Well, yes, just please. Just a clarification. Yesterday you were very clear that you said the co-pilot. Are you backing off of that? I have found out that I would, that my, no, I'm saying the right seat person. What I don't know is whether the right seat person was the co-pilot or the pilot. Yesterday the, you said the co-pilot. And I, I was mistaken about identifying that person because I don't know whether it was the pilot or the co-pilot. So the video in the, in the cockpit doesn't show the person doing it. Last question is the video in the cockpit doesn't show the person doing it. The video in the cockpit does show that the person in the right seat moved the lever, the lock, unlock lever from lock to unlock. But you can't see who so, that is. So, so, thank you for. Sir, I'm, I'm the, sorry, but you know, the very first press conference you said the person in the right I hand seat. I was mistaken in identifying that person. That you said the person in the right hand seat is the one who survived. So, there's some contradictory information maybe you could clarify a little more i'm not sure of that now either that's the, the question was who was it, which person survived and i don't know the answer to that either but we will know that in the course of the in investigation thank you very much appreciate the for more information on this accident please visit space.airsafe.com thanks for listening and we'll see you next time